Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B. Let's talk about how I can help you figure your shit out when it comes to all the BS and the trends in the nutrition and fitness industry. I am a nutrition coach that understands the hurdles that women face every day, as I too am a wife and a mother, which is why a sustainable lifestyle can't just consist of tracking your macros. Join me each week as I, or sometimes we, talk about everything from health, wellness, nutrition, mindset, body, and fitness. The goal of this podcast is to have you think more about your habits and behaviors, your relationship with food, and for you to get really curious about where you are right now and where you want to be. If you've been struggling with your health and wellness and achieving your goals, you cannot afford to miss out on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to More Than Macros Radio. I'm your host, Coach B, and I am actually like starstricken right now. I have a special guest, and Amber, you're going to have to help me with your last name. That's okay. It's Breezeke. Amber Breezeke. Yep, you got it. From Bicep After Babies. Um, I mean, we met on Instagram. I actually have been kind of like a fan of yours for so long, and I know your story online, I think, or with your business started around 2016. Mm -hmm. But I can honestly say that I've probably been with you on this journey that entire time, because at the time I was kind of like leaning into CrossFit. And I was also like trying to understand macros a little bit for myself, because I was in that place of trying to rebuild my relationship with food as well. And I found you and I'm like, this girl talks about macros all the time. And she's in CrossFit and she's doing all these things. And I'm thinking, man, I like what she has to say. Right. And like a lot of what you and I talk about is very similar. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really, really resonated, but then you started your podcast and I'm like, this is it. Cause you are like, I just shared to you before, uh, shared with you before we press record, you inspired me to do what I am doing right now with more than macros radio. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm in awe because I appreciate us having this conversation and, um, yeah, like, I don't even know what else to say. Cause I'm just like, I was truly inspired by you and I just appreciate you so much in this space. So thank you. Um, and I can't wait. So here we are, Amber, let's, you know, here's the floor for you. Like, let's talk a little bit more about who you are, maybe a little bit of your journey, and then maybe even, um, a little bit about who you help. And then we can dive right into our topic, which is all about lifting weights. Yes. Okay. Well, it's so fun to be here and I love hearing, I, I mean, I truly believe in community over competition. So I love hearing that I inspired you to, you know, start a podcast and do your business. And I just think the, like the more women we can get out here, helping women improve their relationship with food, improve their body image lift weights like i'm all for it the better so <laughs> welcome to the space right? uh, please help more people <laughs> that's kind of how i feel um so that's fantastic uh so my name is amber breezeke and i'm the owner of biceps after babies people always ask me about that name i i say it's like the one really creative thing that i <laughs> did in my life has come up with the name biceps after babies um but i i i actually started my instagram account back in 2016 um and i had to choose a username at the, that time. And this at, at the time, it wasn't a business. It was really just I, I wanted to share what I was doing with my fitness journey and right. things that I was learning. And and so I remember I was sitting in my car because I spent a lot of time in my car. I have four kids and I was like <laughs> waiting for somebody somewhere and I was just scrolling. And all of a sudden it just like that name hit me biceps after babies. And for me, what that meant was I had had four kids. 
And if for those of you who've had kids, your body changes a lot. And I feel like sometimes we as moms have this, this sentiment that like, oh, back in my 20s, oh, back before I had kids, like my body was, you know, that was my best body ever. And it's just downhill from now. And yeah. I really wanted to um, turn that around and help women to realize that your your best life, your best body, your best everything can be ahead of you and that you can get biceps after babies. It's not just not just like, oh, now it's all downhill from now. And so that's what was the birth of my Instagram account. And like I said, it really started as just a place to kind of share what I was doing um, it, and learning in my fitness journey for myself. Uh, I have a nursing background, so I'm a registered nurse and have always loved science and health and fitness. I was raised by a mom who taught group fitness classes all through growing up. So, I mean, I was back in the nineties doing step aerobics with my mom. My mom yeah. took me to the weight room when I was 14 and showed me all the dumbbells. So I really grew up in an environment that normalized weightlifting for females. It, it normalized exercise as just like, this is a thing that we do. It was, it was woven into our, into our daily lives. And, um, I got, you know, a little bit older, had my kids. And I got to this point where I, I was actually teaching group fitness classes, just like my mom and <laughs> had these like four little munchkins running around. And I was like, I'm working out all the time, like all the time. Right. I was teaching yeah. six, seven, eight group fitness classes a week. And I just was like, my body always looks the same. Like nothing ever changes with my body. I'm doing all this exercise. Nothing's ever changing. And I had this realization that it really came down to my nutrition, that I was so focused on my exercise that I wasn't even really paying attention to my nutrition. And I found macro counting and my science brain, my nursing yeah. science brain, like read all that stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, that's actually scientifically based. <laughs> so many diets are like not scientifically based, but I was yeah. like, this is actually based in science. This is based in like nutrition, nutritional concepts. And it, this makes sense to me. And when I started aligning my workouts that I was doing with my nutrition and really focusing on making sure that I was fueling my body in the right way with the right macronutrients, I was floored at how my body transformed. Right. I was able to get leaner. I was able to put on more muscle. You know, I had been lifting in the gym for a long time, making mm -hmm. a lot of mistakes that we're going to talk about today, but I'd been lifting in the gym for a long time, but I hadn't ever put on an appreciable amount of muscle. A lot of that was because I wasn't fueling well. I wasn't eating enough and I wasn't doing the right types of workouts. So anyway, long story short, I started having ph phenomenal success finally with when I included macro counting and I just wanted to start sharing that. So I started my Instagram account, Biceps After Babies and just kind of started sharing my journey and people started saying, Hey, want to coach me? And I was like, sure. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah. This was like very much when macros was kind of coming over from the bodybuilding world into more of a general population. So there wasn't a whole lot of like macro coaches back then. And I was like, sure, that sounds fun. And that kind of snowballed and more and more people wanted my help and I got people results. And so they told their friends and then that, that just kind of snowballed and, and it became a business. I, I kind of say I'm an accidental entrepreneur. It wasn't anything I ever thought I would do, but mm -hmm. um, that's where we are today is I help women to be able to utilize macro counting as a tool. Um, I help women shift from a dieter mentality. A lot of women come to me in a dieter mentality and help them really shift to more of a, what I call a macro scientist mentality of really using the science and understanding the science, understanding the tool and how to manipulate the tool to be able to add muscle, lose fat, increase performance, you know, lift the heaviest weights that you can and, and yeah. really, um, you know, fuel your body well.
I love that. And, you know, the best part about this and why, you know, you and I are going to chat is because I feel like I was kind of like the same way too, because I, you know, I, I had been a trainer for so long and I was on the floor and it wasn't until I made the decision to dial in my nutrition now specifically for bodybuilding, but knowing that is what, you know, revealed what was underneath. Right. Yeah. But I was training, like I've always, like, I swear to God, like I wasn't born with a barbell, but I likely should have been because I've loved training. <laughs> I love it. My entire life. Right. So most of my adult life has evolved around that. And there was a point in time where I thought, oh, let's try and run, but I've never liked cardio. And I'm, I, I hold my hand up high. It's also why I didn't love, like, I liked CrossFit, but I didn't love the cardio aspect of it. If There's we were like, Hey, let's do skills. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you want to do skills, let's do some, um, some snatching or some muscle ups or something like that. I'm, I'm good. But as soon as we're like, okay, we're going to do, what is it? Karen, 150 wall oh balls. I'm oh. out. I'm out. <laughs> Burpees. I'm out. Like, yeah. So, but, but also too, like, for me, it's like, you know, even the concept of motivate and be fit and even the podcast of more than macros radio, that's what it's about. Like we both understand the foundations and the science behind macros nutrition, but what people and specifically more women than, than men probably is that they don't understand lifting and what we mean by resistance training. So you and I, we're going to talk um, a lot about training today. Um, if I were to ask you this question, and actually, before I do ask this question, we're going to dive into the biggest mistakes uh, mm-hmm. around like what we see in the gym or specifically more like what you see and mm-hmm. also how we can overcome fears and, you know, like that in- intimidation, because yeah. even as a trainer, believe me, I've seen that, seen it all too. But Amber, if I asked you today, which do you prefer lifting versus cardio? What would your answer be? Okay. So, I mean, lifting hands down, (laughs) Right. Uh, but I do have, but I do love a lot of things about cardio and it has been a hard transition for me. I grew up, like I said, doing step aerobics. Um, I ran a marathon. I actually was a runner, which is weird because I don't run at all anymore, (laughs) but I was a runner for like a brief stint there in college. And I taught Zumba and body combat and high fitness. And like, I do love myself a good cardio class. Uh, so I, but I have transitioned a lot more to more intensive weight training. And so I think if you had to, if I had to rank it, I would put weight training above cardio. But one of the reasons I love CrossFit is because it does combine both of them. Yeah. Well. yeah. And I can, I can honestly agree with you there because like in my bodybuilding days, it was just mm-hmm. get on the treadmill do as much okay. cardio as possible. That right? sucks. That's Ooh, not, that's not the cardio that I'm talking about. No. And so it'd be like, and this is the problem, eh? like my mindset going into CrossFit be like, I'd be looking, okay. And you want me to do thrusters? Ew. You know? Thrusters. And, but I'm like, at least I'm lifting a barbell, right? But <laughs> I'm doing cardio yeah, like, with a barbell. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, I really don't like it. So like, you know, for me, it was, it was a nice combination and had the lifting not been there, I likely would not have stuck to CrossFit. So sure. this, I mean, this is even a conversation we can probably talk about, you know, as we progress through the, the total conversation about lifting is like, you have to like what you're doing so that you can stick to it. Right. So like, that's why cardio has not been a big part of my life because it is not my preference. Yes. It's great for the heart, but so is lifting. So, so is lifting. You can get a lot of those yeah. benefits from lifting. Yes. Yes. Okay. So before we dive into the, like the mistakes we're making, let's talk about the basics. So when, when we say, Hey, Hey girls, you got to do some more resistance training or lifting weights. What comes to mind? What do you, what do you, how do you explain that to somebody who has no idea what, what we're talking about when it comes to weight lifting? Because actually strength training, because there are different terminologies, right? We've got Olympic lifting. We've got 
you know, your spit, you know, you can call it powerlifting. Um, I think you did some powerlifting for a bit too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we've got strength training specific, you know, bodybuilding, um, break that down. We've got, you know, so what I like to say, let's add in some resistance training. So when we say that, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's so important because, uh, I think people, we hear these terms and they hear strength training and they're like, but I don't really even know what that means. And, and we get into our, this idea that like, if I, if I'm picking up a dumbbell, then that's, that's everything I need to do. It's just, as long Mm -hmm. as my workout has a dumbbell in it, then I'm doing resistance training. And, you know, to some extent there's some truth in that, but resistance training is really anything that you are can use to provide resistance to your body so that could be provided with bands that could be provided with body weight like but you are you are pushing your body you are creating some sort of resistance that is forcing your body to adapt and this is the piece that a lot of people miss because they go into a workout and they pick up a dumbbell they pick up the tens and they do some bicep curls and then they put the tens away and then next week they come back and they pick up the tens and they do some bicep curls and they put the tens away and then the next week they come back and they do the tens and they put the tens away and they think oh i'm doing resistance training i'm you know i'm yeah. getting all the benefits of resistance training um but the problem is is that your body uh accommodates to anything that we push it to do so your body has adapted it has figured out it has made the muscle that is necessary for you to lift the 10 pound weights if you continue to come back and just lift the 10 pound weights every single time no more progress is going to be made your body you have to force your body to to build muscle it will not build any muscle beyond what it thinks it needs and right now all it needs is to be able to do 10 pounds for 10 reps and it has now um, adapted. So I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself, but this idea of resistance training is really just around, are you providing resistance to your body? But the second piece to that is that resistance continuing to increase in order to continue to stimulate your body to have the change that you want. But that's the question I was gonna ask you next. We know what that means. It's called progressive overload. So kind of like break that down a little bit more because I, I know what you're saying, but for someone, they, they might still say like, but Amber, I'm still lifting 10 pounds. How is that not, you know, like maybe if I just, you know, maybe I do it for 10 reps, but maybe I'm doing it for 12 the next time. Is that still considered progressive overloading or not? Yes. Yeah. So the whole idea of progressive overload is based on the stress recovery adaptation cycle. And I think stepping back and understanding that cycle helps us to understand why progressive overload is important and then even more importantly how to implement it so the stress recovery adaptation cycle is like i said our body doesn't do anything unless it has to our body is kind of lazy that way it only really does what it has to do in order to survive um and so uh, what what our body and this happens not only in weightlifting but it's just anything that stresses our body our body figures out oh this is a stressor i got to be able to handle this. And so uh, one of those stresses can be weightlifting. So if you are stressing your body with, let's go back to the 10 pound weight example, you're stressing your body, lifting 10 pound weights, um, doing 10 bicep curls, three sets of 10 bicep curls at 10, at 10 pounds, that is a stress on your body. And so our body, um, sees that, um, actually when you're lifting, what's happening is you're creating microscopic tears in your muscles. You're actually creating damage when you're in the gym to your muscles, your body sees it and it goes, Oh crap we gotta we gotta get stronger because we need to lift these 10 this 10 pounds so your body actually comes in it repairs the muscle tissue and it makes it a little bit stronger because it knows hey we weren't strong enough to withstand that 10 pound weight this time we had a lot bunch of these tears and so we got to make it a little bit stronger so that next time she's going to lift those 10 pounds we got it we can we can handle it this next time so that is the recovery and then the adaptation that's that you're putting more muscle down to be able to to adapt and 
be able to handle it next time. So then if you go into the gym and you lift those 10, same 10 pound weights for 10 reps, again, your body is ready. It's got yeah. it. It can handle it. It, it has the muscle mass it needs to be able to do that. And it's like, yeah, we're awesome, but nothing else happens. <laughs> and so if you keep continuing going back and lifting that same 10 pound weight for 10 reps, your body has built the muscle. It needs to be able to handle that. And you won't get any more muscle because you don't, you're not telling your body you need it. And so progressive overload simply means that we are applying slightly more stress every single time and not a ton, just a little bit more. It's like just a little bit more to create enough stress that causes the body to go through that stress recovery adaptation cycle every single time that we're coming back to be able to continue to encourage the body to get stronger, get faster, you know, any kind of adaptation that you want um, to the body to, to do is you have to, to coax it. So going back to your initial question is how do we implement progressive overload? You know, it's very easy to say, we'll just keep lifting more weight. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever tried to do a bicep curl, maybe you can do a five, 10 pound bicep curl, and then maybe you go to a 15 and then maybe you go to a 20, but we start getting a 25, 30, 35, like how, <laughs> how, how much are, you don't see people bicep curling 500 pounds. So yeah, yeah. obviously lifting heavier weights is not the only way to progressive overload. And so we can do progressive overload in other ways. We can uh, increase the reps. We can increase the number of sets that we're doing. You can decrease the rest time between your sets. You can um, slow the reps down, increase that time under tension. Um, You can add different exercises. So not only are you just doing a bicep curl, but now we're maybe also including a a row, like a barbell row or a pendulum row, where we're now also including the biceps, but we're grabbing other muscle groups at the same time. So progressive overload to make it as simple as possible. It just means you're doing a little bit more than you did last time to stimulate your body, to be able to create the adaptation that you want to occur. Yeah. And so like a lot of the times in the industry, you'll hear like, just change the stimuli. Right. And so like, that's, it's essentially what you're doing, right? Because the stimuli is whatever, um, change you're making. Now, here's the other thing that I would ask. And I know we'll talk a little bit about this because this could be part of the mistakes is like, what are your, uh, or what's your response to someone who says, well, I'm not sore anymore though. I, I guess I'm not progressing. You know, because yeah. people look for that, right? They're totally. always like, yeah. I have to be sore in order to, to know that I'm progressing. You know, it's kind of right. like the, the number on the scale has to change in order for, <laughs> for people to deem, you know, that success. Yeah. So yeah. What, what's uh, your response to that? Yeah, well, it's it's so good because, yeah, people do have an equation in their mind that soreness equals muscle growth and that it's just not true. Like that yeah. soreness, actually, what it really indicates usually is novelty. Um, it's, it's a novel stimulus for your body. Uh, I, so you mentioned that I did powerlifting for oh, maybe three or four years. And if you know anything about powerlifting, there are three lifts. There is the bench, there is the deadlift and there is a squat. And so when you're training for powerlifting, you are benching, you are deadlifting and you are squatting. And maybe you have some accessory work, maybe, but like the core of my workouts were those three lifts over and over and over again. And I will tell you, I was lifting the heaviest weights I've ever lifted in my life. And I was not sore Yeah, because it wasn't novel. I was doing, even though I was adding weight. And like I said, I was really challenging my body and the weights were going up and my strength was going up and I was adding muscle. I wasn't sore because it wasn't novel. Now I switched over to CrossFit and I'm sore. all the time. (laughs) And, and CrossFit actually isn't that great for building muscle. Um, I love CrossFit. 
but it's it's actually if you want to maximize muscle growth don't do like that's not what I agree. is really good for yeah. <laughs> it's it's not what it's really good for i don't do it to build muscle i do it because i love it um but i'm sore all the time because yeah. one of the things about crossfit is the novelty it's like you're always doing something different and that's part of the methodology but i'm sore all the time so soreness has nothing to do not nothing but it it is not a one-to-one -one relationship with are you building muscle it's more of a one-to-one -one relationship with is this a novel training stimuli yeah and i would agree with you okay so like we could go we could go on and on about the science right like we can go on to all the and maybe you know you and i can get on another podcast and talk about different um you know like the specifics behind hypertrophy training and strength yeah. training and all that kind of stuff but but the one thing that I wanted to dial in before we jump into what we see as mistakes, because I think people need to understand is like, when we are talking about resistance training, why do we emphasize it? Like, what are the benefits and who benefits from lifting? Yeah. Well, the, the who is really easy because it's everybody. <laughs> it's like literally everybody. Um, and I, and you know, we're both female. Um, I speak a lot to females and man, if we could just get more females lifting yep. weights, like the world would just be a, a better place. Um, so weight training is is great for males as well, um, but there are some unique things with females that make it even more important, in my opinion, that that women are lifting weights. Um, you know, one of the big things is the hormonal changes that happen as women get older, and mm -hmm. the muscle mass that uh, the rate of muscle mass decline that happens as women age, and this is a normal natural process as we age we tend to lose muscle mass um but like i said the hormone shifts in women make that an even more profound effect and one of the biggest indicators of your ability to live independently long term is the amount of muscle mass that you have on your body um, my husband is a physician and um he deals a lot with the older population um specifically an older female population and he had an experience when he was in fellowship where he had a woman come into his office and i think she was in like her 70s so for the population he sees not really that old <laughs> and yeah. um he needed to put her up into stirrups to do an exam on her and she she literally couldn't lift her leg up like she had um, so little muscle mass on her body that she could like she needed assistance in lifting her leg up into the stirrup and he just had this experience of just this recognizing how important um especially for women being able to have muscle mass on your body because as you age that's naturally going to decline and your ability to get up off the toilet your ability yeah. to get yourself out of bed your ability to like comb your own hair and brush your own teeth like all those activities of daily living require muscle mass and so you know, to answer the question of who should be lifting weights, everybody, but especially women, because that muscle mass is going to decline. So what can you do now today to be able to build up a reservoir of muscle mass that's going to allow you to age healthy and gracefully and be able to live on your own independently, do the things that you want to be able to do um, long term? I forget. The I first feel like. But that's the that's you know what, Amber, that's the biggest part, because even for myself, like I'm 48, I am going through perimenopause mm -hmm. and like I was a competitive bodybuilder CrossFit. And for me, you know, from the age of 45 and onwards, we are at that, that risk of losing muscle mass. Right. Yeah. And so like, for me, it's like, that is the goal. And because I'm often asked like, well, first I, I identify someone who lifts weights, but at the end of the day, it's like, why do you show up? How, how is it that you show up every day? And I'm like, because I don't want someone to have to look after me. I don't want to fall, break a hip yep. and not be able to recover. And also too, like, even when I, I was just at the physiotherapist the other day and I do have some like overuse, 
you know, like I've got some tendon, tendinosis, uh, tendinosis happening and that's okay. But if I didn't have a baseline, even my physiotherapist said, like, we don't have to stop what you're doing because you, you have enough muscle mass and you have enough strength. And you also have the experience in the gym to modify, not stop. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we can work with your injury and you don't need to be nervous about tearing. I'm, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to guide you and give you the, the, the right types of exercise to help you with your rehab. However, if you hadn't been in the gym before, this could be worse. And so like, those are the things that go through my, my mind of like, man, like I want to be strong enough to help my daughters when they have babies. And I want to like, what happens if something happens to my husband and he's, you know, not able to do certain things. Like I want to be able to be able to go out and mow the grass and start the lawnmower and do all that. And you know what, as tedious as that sounds, I know lots of women that can't even shovel their sidewalks mm-hmm. because their backs don't like, they're just not quote unquote strong enough. They can mm-hmm. barely lift things. So I am so much on that same page with you for longevity mm-hmm. and just retention of muscle mass. Like no matter how we look at it, pre- preservation is the biggest thing for me. Yeah. It's so big. And I hear a lot of women. And one of the concerns I hear a lot when it comes to weight training is things like you said, where it's like, oh, I have a bad back or I have a bad hip or I have a bad, I have bad knees. And so I can't do that. And my response is always like, that is like weight training is what's going to solve that for you. Yeah. <laughs> like I know you think that that's like going to make it worse, but that actually solves that for you. We had a friend who, um, who was actually a nurse as well. And he had 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 a bad back for years. And every couple of like, usually a couple times a year, he would go into spasms so much that he would have to take muscle relaxers and like take time off of work. And it was like, he had this really bad back injury that had just been nagging him for years and years and years. And my husband and I were getting into weight training and, and powerlifting. And we're like, you really need to come and deadlift mm-hmm. with us. He's like, I can't deadlift. My back is so bad. And we're like, no, like getting your back, your back is bad because it's weak. Like that's yeah. why it's, that's why it's bad. Like when you can make your back strong, it's not going to have the same problems and you got to go slow, right? You got to start with the bar and we're not, yeah. he's not out there deadlifting 200 pounds, but, um, he, so he, he started and he started slow and he was able to strengthen his back and it, he was floored because the number, like the, the length of time that he went between having spasms was way longer was extended when it happened it was not as bad he didn't have to take as many painkillers and he really started to see his quality of life improve as he strengthened his back and so i think that idea that like oh i have a bad knee so i can't squat it's like no squatting is a human movement that you have to do to pick up a piece of paper so let's figure out how to get you squatting so that you can make that stronger so your knee is actually strong and now you're going to have less knee problems um so for those of you who feel like I can't lift because of a bad something or other. Yeah, you need to, I, I would advise getting some help. Like don't maybe go do it by yourself, but yeah. you absolutely working with a trained professional can can be able to strengthen that part of your body so that you can do those activities. Like you said, like getting up off of the ground, like picking up a piece of paper and not throwing your back out when you do so. Yeah, I agree. So that with that being said, it's kind of a, a great segment into like, okay, so where do we start? And when we start, what are we seeing as the biggest mistakes yeah. um, when it comes to going to the gym, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest mistakes is people like jumping in <laughs> too, mm. too, too quickly um, and hurting themselves. And then they say things like, oh, well, I can't lift weights because I just hurt myself. Um, movement patterns are one of the most important things that you can do at the get-go. Like people get so into like having to, oh, I need to max out. I need to lift as much weight as possible. Oh, it's not hard. And, and I'm sure you're like this as a trainer is like, 
no, like getting the movement pattern of a squat, like don't add any weight, don't add a barbell, don't add dumbbells. Like let's get you squatting properly in a full range of motion with your knees tracking where they should, with your hips going where they should. Let's build that motor memory and that muscle pattern so that when you start adding weight, now you're not going to injure yourself. So I'd say one of the biggest mistakes people make is just jumping in too early, adding weight instead of focusing on the basics of the movement pattern. Let's get you squatting well without a bar before we put a bar on your back. I agree. And you know, the thing that, that comes to mind with that is like someone who does like, because as a, you know, I was a trainer on the floor is like that person who doesn't have a lot of range of motion and they give up on that because they see other people they're comparing themselves or they have some bro science guy come up to them and say, you know, you need to go to ask grass for that. And they're <laughs> yeah. just like, but I can't because that is their belief. They are nervous about the whole situation. Like, you know, they, they feel really, really tight in their glutes, or maybe even their, their, they just don't have any flexion um, in their ankles. And so they're like, they want to give up. Right. And so like, they, they just don't go through the step one, even like as, as, as someone who might be a newbie, it's like, maybe it's not even you going into the gym. Maybe you do need to look at a trainer first, right? Like get the foundational stuff like yeah. mapped out for you, have somebody assess you and stuff like that. Because I've been there where I'm just like, yeah, you, you, you can sit in a chair, but this is what we know. And when you have, when you're under the bar, this is what we need to, to look at. And this is what we need to identify because even then Amber, um, and you can agree or disagree, but I think in a lot of cases, people don't understand that some of this range of motion and or lack of mobility is not only a strength factor, but also too, is an imbalance. Totally. And so like, this is why strength training, resistance training is so beneficial. There might be reasons why your knees hurt because of an imbalance between your glutes, hams, and quadriceps. People don't see that, right. Or know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're there, you're focus on like, maybe you need a trainer is such a good one. We, you know, when our car is broken, we take our car to, most of us take our car to a mechanic. We don't necessarily feel like, oh, I should be able to fix that myself. We recognize there's value in having someone who does that all day, every day to be able to, to do that. And it's the same thing. I think investing in a trainer and being able to work you through those movements and being able to like help you to know if you have some sort of imbalance, a lot of us have imbalances because we sit our butt on a chair and look at a computer yep. screen all day long. And so a lot of people have in um, underdeveloped glutes, underdeveloped uh, hamstrings, and and that needs to be addressed if you're going to be able to go through that that movement pattern in, in a safe and um, full range of motion way. What would be uh, your thoughts now? one mistake that I know comes to mind, and I often talk about this with clients is program hopping and stuff like that. So what yes. are your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, in, so again, if we go back to this idea of the stress recovery adaptation cycle and progressive overload, you can already start to see why hopping from program to program is never going to get you where you want to go because now you're just, you're changing everything up and you're not able to intentionally increase that stimuli over and over and over and over again. I say the same thing about not even program hopping, but doing a program that changes every single day and every single week. A lot of times people do that because they think, oh, it's way more fun. It's, it's like, it's more exciting. It's like, I don't want to do the same lifts over and over. Fine. But then don't expect to build the muscle because again, if you're not doing the same things over and over and progressing them over time, your body isn't going to know that it needs to build that muscle. So program hopping, <laughs> doing different things every single day, changing the stimulus all the time is never going to get you uh, as far as doing the same thing, adding a little bit more each and every time. Um, now I get it like program hopping 
maybe you want to do like different styles of training, but sticking with something for a while and letting it actually work. Most really good written programs are not meant to be done for like just four weeks. They are there are cycles and there is intentionality between doing this cycle and then this cycle and then you come back to the cycle right it's it's if if you know anything about programming there is a bigger picture than what you just got for like that week it's like we're going to do this first but that's going to support us in six months doing this cycle so program hopping you're missing out on on that whole programming cycle i i would agree there too like because i think people they they it's kind of like that patience factor Yes. Like it's, it's, it's the same thing in their nutrition. Like they just expect immediate results. So if they're not seeing or feeling results overnight, then they're just like, okay, this isn't working. So let's just find another, another thing. Or they're just bored. Right. And I get it. Like, believe me, I've, I've lived my entire life, you know, in a gym and yeah, I, even I get bored, but I do think that there's a certain period of time or phase in which you can play around a little bit more and be flexible. And I live that best life of maintenance. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. I, I, truly believe there are a lot of errors made in, I want to lose body fat, but I also want to gain, and I want to gain muscle. (laughs) Right. So I'm just like, okay, I hear you. Let's talk about that. So here's the floor for you, Amber. Let's talk. Yeah. I mean, it's like 90% of the time when I ask people what their goal is, it's they want to lose fat and gain muscle. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think everybody wants both of those things. But the important thing to understand is that the optimal environment for those two goals are completely opposite of each other. And so it's it's like the old saying, you try to chase two rabbits and you catch neither of them. And that's what happens a lot of times when women are trying to do lose fat and gain muscle simultaneously. Because listen, the optimal environment for losing fat is high cardio. The optimal environment for for gaining muscle is low cardio. <laughs> They're the opposite. The optimal environment for losing fat is low, lower calorie, a caloric deficit. The optimal environment for gaining muscle is higher calorie, even into a surplus. It's like yeah. the complete opposite. Now, weightlifting is the same. You lift weights. I always tell my clients, you lift weights in a caloric de- like it when you're cutting, when you're building muscle, like always lift weight. So weight training always stays the same, but specifically cardio and calories are completely opposite in those optimal environments for those two. So how can you do them simultaneously if they have completely opposite environments? Now, there are some exceptions to this. If you are brand spanking new to weightlifting, um, you will get newbie gains and I love that for you. And I wish I was back there. <laughs> Right. Um, Like, how um, much more do we have to train compared to a newbie? So much more. Right. Um, But if you're brand new to weight training, um, you can build muscle and lose fat simultaneously. Live it up. Do (laughs) get it all out because Baker now (laughs) it will last. You know, six to six months to maybe a year is that like newbie period where you really can lose fat and gain muscle simultaneously. Your body is like just so primed to be able to build muscle. But after that. But yeah. can I interject for a second? And in this phase, ladies, specifically, this is where the scale likely won't change. You're right. going to lose body yeah. fat and look different, but the scale is going to probably fluctuate a couple pounds, but not be like 10 pounds lighter, even though you look like it, yeah. you likely yeah. are not. Right, right. And this is where you see those people who are like, you look at their pictures and they're like, 145 here and 145 here and they look completely different <laughs> and you're like yeah. oh um yeah that, like recomposition so if you're new live it up 
live it up because brandy and i both wish that we were back there oh yes um, you get to a point where once you pass those newbie gains your body now you have to really encourage it to build muscle so like you mentioned the training volume that we have to do is increase again your body isn't going to really build muscle in a caloric deficit as much anymore so you really have to be focusing on having enough calories, uh, again, dropping your cardio as long as possible. That's why, you know, you know this with um, bodybuilders is they go through cycles of, you know, during their cut, when they're getting ready for prep, they're doing very high cardio. And then when they go through after their competition, they typically bring cardio way, 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 way down so that they can have their building season. And then they, you know, cycle through that because cardio is catabolic. It breaks down muscle tissue. Yeah. And this, this is where I would interject and say, like, this is where I think um, it's really important where when Amber said, like, training stays the same, like when you're in a fat loss phase, specifically, if I were to categorize bodybuilding, this is where you, I know how tired you are. It's, it fucking sucks. It does because you are in a deficit, but you need to keep your volume of training up. Yep. You have to, to preserve that muscle mass. Like you are going to lose some, yep. let's be clear here. Yep. Um, however, the volume should be up and it should be maintained as much as humanly possible. Yeah, and you feel terrible. <laughs> you do. It's like, yeah, you don't even feel like you're recovered. Like, you know how it's no. like the, the goal is to be recovered. It's difficult in that phase, but that's yeah. not gen pub. No, right. No, no, no. So like if you're in a fat loss phase, like the still it's still the same goal though, is to keep your volume high. Right. Yeah. You want to your weight training should stay the same. It really yeah. is that cardio that you're manipulating and your calories that you're manipulating. So this idea that so the other people who can lose fat and gain muscle simultaneously is people who are on steroids. So yeah. <laughs> most of us aren't on steroids. I don't promote steroids. I don't take steroids. I don't think you should take steroids. But those people that you see on Instagram, like always have that in the back of your mind of someone who you see has this like phenomenal transformation and they have muscles that came out of nowhere and they're super, super jacked and lean at the same time for a long period of time that is very doable if you have if you are on steroids um and not as doable if you are not on steroids so um you know new people people who are on steroids there are the genetic elite who yeah they they can but the genetic leader it's a small subset of the it's population a, it's a very very small population it's it probably is, yeah. not you is what i'm yeah. saying yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not me it's probably not brandy and not it's me probably- <laughs> It's probably not you, but those are like the three categories of people who can really build muscle and lose fat simultaneously for a period of time. The rest of us usually need to have some sort of cycling between having a period of cutting where you're really focusing on fat loss, a period of building where you're focusing on muscle gains um, and cycling through that. And then a lot of time at maintenance so that you're not always in a caloric deficit. Yeah. And that's like where we call it like the nutritional periodization, because that's the driver there. Like you've got your stimuli, you are training, but now you have to decide whether or not fat loss is the goal and the priority, because that's where you have to look at it is, is it the priority to be in a cut, um, versus, you know, gaining muscle mass. So it's a very, very fine tuning approach because it's the mindset around it. Because again, I, and, and, you know, I love when people talk to me about what they want to look like or compare themselves in so that I understand it. But at the same time, I'm like, you have to understand that human is different than you. That is, you don't know what their game is like. You have no idea what they've been going through. So you just need to understand your own priorities, what you are willing to do. Because again, if we were to compare like even the CrossFit um, athlete, Amber, because I know when I went to my box, there's an amazing human that 
she trains like eight hours of the day. She is a regional athlete. She wants to be at the CrossFit Games. This girl trains and eats and sleeps. Like she has afternoon naps. She looks like a goddess. Mm -hmm. And when I hear people say, oh, I'd love to look like her. I'm like, whoa. You yeah, need maybe to you should spend, 20, spend 24 hours with her and understand what it, right? what she's doing. <laughs> so we got to We can't compare ourselves. So like, that's the thing is like, understand, like Amber said, like there are some genetic freaks out there that can just look at a barbell and grow. Um, it's no different than someone who can look at a cheeseburger and gain body fat apparently. Right. Like it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like we all have our own individual, um, body types and how we respond to any stimuli that's, that's given, but just remember you're a byproduct of the choices you're making. So if you kind of show up at the gym and this is, would be my mistake that I see is like, yeah. you're showing up, but you prioritize cardio, but yet your brain is saying, I want to build muscle. Right. You're prioritizing, you're running, 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 and you do 10 minutes of, of weights and you run, then that's, that's kind of where that disconnect is. And like, that's where you need to understand the value of training, what's required and where cardio fits into this, because here's the thing. I think it's important to exercise that muscle, but we kind of alluded to this in the beginning. Lifting does not mean you are not working your heart. Yeah. <laughs> can we talk about that? Because I think that's a misconception. Yes. People don't understand. Like the, I can say, yeah, intentional cardio is getting on the treadmill or going for a run and we're increasing our heart rate and we're sweating and all these kind of things. Like we can give it all the definitions we want, but people don't understand. Like I know that my heart rate is going up when I, especially if I'm doing heavy lifts, try and do, you know, like six to 10, maybe 12 repetitions of your heaviest dead, not one rep max, but you're up there in the 65 to 75% range. Your heart is, it's going. <laughs> I always, and you better be taking me. a breather. <laughs> well, that's what always kills me when people are like, um, so should I be doing like some like burpees or like jumping jacks, like in between like my deadlifts? And I'm like, okay, first of all, if you can do burpees and jumping jacks in between your sets of deadlifts, you are not lifting heavy enough <laughs> because all, all you should want to do is sit on your butt after you do yeah. like, like a set of six to eight deadlifts. Um, I, man, for me, anything over six is I, I like call it cardio. I'm like, right. <laughs> you want me to do 12 deadlifts. Okay. That's essentially yeah. cardio for me. That's, that's, that's CrossFit uh, by the way. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> like, yeah, my, your heart rate should be jacked up. And if it's yeah. not, you're probably not lifting heavy enough. And that would be a big mistake that a lot of women yeah. make is like, they undershoot what they think that they are capable of doing. And, and if you're, if your heart rate isn't getting up, you're probably not lifting heavy enough. And you probably have more in you that, is and, and when you get into that higher heart rate, right? When you're challenging your your muscles more with heavier weightlifting and getting your heart rate up, that's when you get the the double benefit, right? You get the benefit of the weight training, but then, like you said, you also get those cardiovascular benefits. But I think people make that mistake that, and they make this, you know, this assumption. And I'm going to say people as in women that if we lift too heavy, we're going to get bulky. So we can talk yeah. a little bit about that. But also understanding that lifting heavy is you you really and well, it's probably part of the fear. I guess it's kind of both, but it's like, you need to tax the muscle like Amber talked about. And if you go in and you're only lifting tens and a year later, you're still lifting tens, you have to ask yourself, are you truly lifting to your full capabilities? And with that being said, is there a way to understand whether or not you're doing this? And this is where I call it the reps and reserve type of scenario of understanding how heavy you actually can lift safely, especially if you're not with a trainer, because this is where growth happens. This is where you will feel stronger. And it really is getting to that level because unfortunately, as much as I think it's great to move your body, 
you are not benefiting near as much as you could be if you were really to push that envelope a little bit more. So can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's a big mistake. Women are too afraid to get bigger or maybe it's hurting themselves. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's like a fear of injury, um, which is like, of course it's somewhat valid, but I think the, the rate of injury by not lifting is higher (laughs) and people don't take that into account. Like there's risk everywhere. There's risks to lift and there's risks not to lift. And honestly, the risk of not lifting is higher than the risk of of lifting and the long-term like uh, negative side effects of not lifting is way higher. And so I think people forget that when they're doing that cost benefit analysis, like, Oh, well, maybe I'll get hurt if I lift. It's like, yeah, but you're likely going to get hurt if you don't lift because a, a weak body is, a body that gets hurt yeah, um, less than a strong body does. Yeah. So I think there's there, you know, that, that fear is there. Um, I, I, I just hope that we're moving past this idea that lifting makes you bulky, but I, I, I don't think we're quite there yet. And I think that that fear is still out there. Um, as much as I feel like social media has helped, uh, somewhat normalize, Hey, lifting, like, I wish I could get jacked. It's super hard to get jacked. <laughs> I want to get more jacked. But you um, know what? I've had to try and paint this picture because it's the same thing. Like I'm five foot four, I'm 120 pounds. Like even at my um, most shredded body, people are like, you look big. It's the analysis. It's just an illusion. Cause I have no fat on me. I was 110 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like a lot of times, and like, I want to be, I want to be gentle because plenty of people who have had the experience of like, but I've put on muscle and I look bulky and, and I want to yeah. like honor that and validate that. But a lot yeah. of times that's not because you put on muscle. It's because you still have a bunch of fat. And yep. so if you have fat and muscle together, yes, it's going to take up more space. Like you, you have two, you have two things in the same, like trying to occupy the same space. It's going to take up more space. So the solution to that is to, is not to not build the muscle. <laughs> the solution to that is to then focus on your body composition. And, you know, yeah. maybe that there needs to be a period of muscle growing and then a period of, of reducing fat. But the, the solution isn't to not lift because you don't want to get bulky. It's to focus on the fat loss, which is going to help with that. And that's what you're saying is like, you looked jacked, not because you had even a ton more muscle at 110 than you had at 120. You probably actually had less muscle, but you yeah. were really shredded. You had a, yeah. like a lot less fat. Yeah. Um, and visually like, that's what you see. That's all you see. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of the, it's a misconception too, but also too, like at the end of the day, like, um, I, I would absolutely agree. It's the buy into the process that sometimes in order to get the results that you want, there has to be, and I don't like to call it restriction. It has to be a little bit of restraint. So like, that's where we have to have those different phases, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, you know, you can do your, your maintenance slash into bulking phase, whatever you want to call it. I, I just like to call it like, like, let's put some muscle on. Yeah. Um, and then do that fat loss phase to see, right? Because then we can look at, okay, when we move into maintenance, this is what it's going to require. Because part of the problem, I think Amber too, is even when we go into these phases of lifting weights and gaining muscle mass, people don't understand even how to maintain that. Right. Because then they're like, okay, all I do is like diet the rest of the time. Then like, no, there's a maintenance phase here that you can live in for the rest of your life. If you choose. Cause I mean, that's my goal right now. I promised myself I never died again. I don't need to put on more muscle. I'm great. I want to preserve and maintain it. That's where I am. And that's why CrossFit works so well for me. If I was trying to put on more muscle, like this would not be optimal, but I don't need to get leaner. I have a, a bunch of muscle that I built. And so now CrossFit is about just having fun with the strength that yeah. I built. Um, but yes, 90, I mean, 95% of your life should be at maintenance. And I think people miss that and they feel like it always should be cutting, um, always in a deficit. But when we can get to that place where you've built an appreciable amount of muscle, you 
you know, have the body, like you're happy with your body. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's the leanest body that you're ever going to have, but like, you're happy with where you're at, like living at that maintenance uh, period is, is so important. And then the last thing I would say about the bulky thing is like, why is it, why have we demonized being bulky? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and what does it, it even mean? Well, what does it mean? Why is it a bad thing? Like, I also think there's this societal, um, um, motivation to keep women weak. <laughs> like, it's like, if we I just agree. like, if we just like prioritize a smaller body, a littler body, like keep women small, keep women petite, keep them in their place. It's like, we don't like the patriarchy doesn't want strong women. <laughs> and so if we can downplay this idea of like, oh, you don't want to get bulky. That's a bad thing. It's like, no, take up space, <laughs> like be your strongest version, like be a strong woman, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like be strong in all of those areas. I think that's threatening to a lot of people. So I would say, why is being bulky bad? But here's the thing. And I'm just like getting chills as you're saying this, because that's exactly who I am and why I perform so much better in the gym. I know, and this is a little bit of a fear for a lot of women. For me, I've never, ever, I remember walking into the gym and I looked at the dumbbell section and then I looked at all the free weights and they had a, like a woman's section. And I'm like, fuck this. I belong in any part of this gym. I shouldn't have a special section. Yeah. So I walked in there and I'm like, my goal was to have enough confidence to start lifting those weights. And this is when I started to get into, like, I was interested in personal training. It's also when I kind of like saw the very first bodybuilder, female bodybuilder. And I'm like, Whoa, like that looks amazing. I love muscle, that kind of thing. But that all being said, it was my goal. And to this day, I walk very proudly in the gym. I'm also super confident. So even when I was training clients who had that fear, I, I, I heard it and I just like, okay, so this is where we're going to start. This is let's understand your fear. What is it? It's real, but let's like, let's, you know, look at the evidence that what's true, what's not. And then let's build on this so we can help you get into the free weights because whatever those fears are. So there's like everything from like, I'm going to injure myself, but mostly it was other people looking at me. I don't know what I'm doing. All these things that these assumptions and these limiting beliefs. But for me, I, that's where I got really curious about training. And I'm like, I don't want to have to ask some dude on the floor, how to lift weights. I want to be able to be the one who tells him how to lift weights, because that is what society says. It's like only the guys know what they're doing. So even when I look back to when I got back on the floor after years of having babies and stuff like that, I remember how I built that confidence. I was the girl who could do the pull-ups. I wanted to be known as that girl. I'm the girl who can do all the push-ups. I want to be strong. And that walking into the gym had nothing to do with how I looked because then I was covered with extra body fat and I was just like strong as like, I didn't, that's all I wanted. And to this day, it's the same thing. Right. So like, I love that is like, it is one of the things that has probably boosted my confidence more than anything in this world, because first and foremost, I know what I'm doing. Secondly, I just, I, how can I not? Like, I feel so empowered to be lifting weights where most people would assume it's a man's role and it's not even a female personal trainer. So, I mean, it was just like, that just gave me so much like, oh, but yeah. let's talk a little bit about those fears though, because I know you, you know, of what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the number of women who like, don't feel like they belong in yeah. the weight section or that they can only stay on the machines and they can't go into the free weights or they can't touch a barbell like that that is something that holds so many women back um that just intimidation of like i don't belong here and i think yeah. rewriting that script of like why why don't you belong here 
Like, yeah. what's the qualifications for belonging somewhere? Honestly, most gyms, it's like, do you pay your dues? Well, then you belong there. <laughs> if you don't pay your membership, then maybe maybe that's someone who doesn't belong there. But otherwise, like, who's deciding who belongs in the weight room? Um, and so challenging this idea that I don't belong there is a huge one that can help you to overcome that, that gym intimidation. Um, I do think that knowledge is power in this case. Uh, I really recommend women who are, are stepping foot in the free weight section for the first time to have a plan. I think if yeah. you're, if you're going in there and just feeling like you can wing it, like that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. But if you're walking in with a plan, whether it's on paper or an app or something, you're walking in with a plan, it, you're going to feel a lot more confident in, in that process of walking in there. Um, and then I really just recommend like putting put your earplugs, like put your headphones on. <laughs> put your earbuds in like like you know walk in there turn up the music put some like confident music on and walk into the gym with your plan and do your thing the thing is most people are not paying attention to you that jacked guy who's like sitting over there like you know bicep curling in the squat rack uh isn't paying attention to you he's like looking at his muscles so in reality that fear that other people are judging you is oftentimes a lot more inflated than really is honestly true and even if they are judging you that's fine like let them judge that's okay but here's the thing amber we you're in the gym and still that person so do we not have something in common yeah why does there have to be a disconnect why do we because here's the thing and i get this and i and i say this with so much love but if you are assuming that they're judging you are you judging them because yeah, then you've got to pull point. yourself back, back a little bit because it, it's it's kind of like you have to play the same game then if you're expect your expectations are well I don't want to be judged. Then don't judge other people. Don't assume they're looking really good. at you, making all these, you know, thoughts and, and things around you because Amber, you're not wrong. And I have to share this story. So the other day I was at my gym and I don't, I, I'm not making fun because to each their own, everybody's like a social media, you know, influencer or whatever, but I was floored because Ben Carpenter actually just did this reel about how people need to be aware of their surroundings. And if you're going to video, you need to make sure people in your background understand that you're videoing sure. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know where that video is going to end up, sure. but this dude is like built, like I've seen him grow and he had a tripod set up in the middle of the freeway section where I want to work out. He's not asking permission. He's not saying shit. And he doesn't care that I'm in that spot. Yeah. That's how dialed in they can be on themselves. So yeah. like, I mean, he, he had the whole freaking show going on and I'm like, <laughs> whatever, you know, you do you, and I'm not going to judge, but I do need that, that dumbbell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, so I'm gonna that. That. <laughs> but you know, like people are there for their own reasons. And yeah. I think that we just need to, as females, um, because again, I've worked with so many women that were just so scared, but the first line of attack was hiring a trainer for them. Mm, yeah. And I, and I love that they were like, Hey, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't feel like I can even be in the gym. And you know what? That's fair. Let's go upstairs, go to a different room. Let's start working with some bands. Let's maybe do some, you know, body weight exercises. Let's start doing these things. You know, maybe we do an assessment and we start just like figuring out where you're at. Right. And then from there, it's the next step. And do you feel comfortable, right? And know and recognize that having a trainer or somebody like a plan, like Amber said, is is a great line of defense for those negative thoughts that you might have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much. That's really good. So much. Okay, so we're getting close to this hour here. So there's one more question I would have for you uh, as your experience of training uh, people too. And we kind of talked a little bit about it, but what do we do 
when we do have the client and, or the person that says, but I do think I have an injury and, or I, I don't think I should do that because, well, I have arthritis. Like when we have injury and, or this, these, you know, and maybe we're not diagnosed, but maybe we are, and our doctors don't know any different. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts about training and with, or around injuries and what we should do about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it is a legitimate concern and, uh, the tendency that a lot of people have is, is, oh, I have an injury or I have X, Y, Z. And so that means I shouldn't train. And I think we can kind of rewrite that script instead of like, how can I, how can I adjust my training through this injury? Um, instead of, not training at all because again there is risk with not training (laughs) there is risk with now sitting in your you know in your house all day long and not moving your body and so uh with most injuries there is ways to continue to train and to work around that injury and that actually helps to heal the injury faster than if you don't train it at all um you were saying that you have a tendinopathy i have some some tendinopathy as well uh tendons like don't like rest. Like it actually is detrimental to tendons to, if you're trying to heal them to just completely rest. Yeah. 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 You actually want to be, like you said, moving them and you want to be you know, careful about how you move that and intelligent about how you move that. But, um, resting is actually not going to help it heal any faster. And so understanding, you know, what is the injury? What caused the injury? That's a big one too. It's like, we don't want to keep doing the thing that caused the injury. Um, I had a shoulder injury last year and went to a PT and realized that one of the reasons I had the shoulder injury is because I wasn't doing a good job of depressing my scapula on my overhead press. And once we learned how to do that, once I like correct that motor pattern, it went away. And so I had to figure out why, why it was happening. Right. So why did we get injured? Can we correct that? And then how can we work through the injury in a way that continues us to be able to, to move and train, uh, in a way that keeps our body moving. Um, I will say as the, again, as a nurse and as a wife of a physician, there is not a lot of overlap training done for medical providers in terms of lifting. Yeah. (laughs) And so a lot of well-intentioned medical providers may tell you some really, some things that aren't based in the literature. (laughs) Let's just say that. Um, My husband's a urogynecologist and the number of his colleagues that will tell women that who have pelvic floor struggles that they shouldn't squat is very high. And he's of the completely different mindset of like, no, squatting is actually one of the best things that you can do for the pelvic floor. Like we should be squatting more, not less. So I just say that because just because someone's a doctor and is telling you something doesn't necessarily mean that they, they actually have a lot of training in weight training or lifting. And you know, those two things don't, don't overlap for a lot of providers. And so just making sure that you're getting good information from multiple different sources and multiple different providers from, you know, a PT as well as maybe a medical doctor, as well as someone who is more well-versed in, in weight training so that you're too many, too many doctors are just too fast to say, just don't lift. We'll just, yeah. you know, stop lifting. And I think that is uh, really detrimental and not based on science. That's the other thing. It's not based yeah. on research. I want to just quickly tap into what you said about, um, like, even like when you understood what the injury was, I remember, um, when I was in CrossFit, like I, I would walk into the gym cause I had some wear and tear just from bodybuilding. Right. And so like, for me, I was always telling myself the story. I can't do thrusters. It bothers my shoulder. I can't do thrusters. I can't do this. I can't. And so I remember when I worked with my first, um, she was a, a CrossFit specific physiotherapist and we were looking at like why my the snatch wouldn't you know I never like my range of motion was just it was not great but she's like Brandy I hear you when you come in here 
And I do hear you say, I can't. She's like that mindset. It really is like, it's a performance thing. So if you continuously tell yourself, you can't, you can't do it. You're reinforcing the fact that you think there's an injury there when maybe there isn't. So let's work together. And so I actually did a 13 week, like trial with her. She wanted to, she was building her business and she's just like, I want to go through some stuff. And, and all that being said, after 13 weeks, I never had an injury. It was wear and tear. And like range of motion. And like, I was just like, I had to work on some, um, some, um, mobility and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, changing that narrative, like you've kind of talked about is like injury doesn't mean you're, you're broken. Doesn't mean you stop. Right. Um, also too, like soreness doesn't mean you've done anything wrong or bad. We just have to get a little bit more curious as to what these thoughts actually mean and understand that what we say, or sorry, what we think and what we say comes into our lives. It matters. So if every single time you know, like you say, well, I suck at this, or um, I'm not strong enough, or I can't do that pull up. Guess what? That's how much it. harder it's going to be for you. So yeah. this has been so much fun. I am still so excited that we had this, uh, this conversation. So I will ask you this, is there anything that you'd like to leave with the listeners, uh, specifically those who are kind of like maybe interested in lifting, and they're just like, not sure what to do? Yeah. Um, I will just say that you are stronger than you think you are. <laughs> I think that is um, typically a universal thing that I see with people who are getting into strength training is that you have more potential than you probably think that you do. And that's one of the most exciting things about weightlifting is you, is you get to go in and you get to, to shock yourself every time um, and, and prove to yourself that you can do hard things, that you can then lift heavier weights that you did last time, that you can continue to improve. And I just find so many women find so much value in lifting weights because one, it helps them get their mind off of what their bodies look like and onto what their bodies can do. And two, it continues to shock them of like how capable they really are. And I think when we can focus on our capabilities and what we can do instead of what we can't, it just changes everything. I couldn't agree with you more. Like it's, that's an amazing thing to leave uh, with the audience because it's, it, there's so much truth in that so much power in that. All right, girl, where can people find you? Uh, so I have to assume that you're a podcast listener if you're listening to this. So you can come over to my podcast, Biceps After Babies Radio. And then I'm also most active on Instagram. I'm just Biceps After Babies over there. Amber, it has been a pleasure having you on as my guest. I am, I'm so stoked that we had this conversation and I can't, I can't wait to continue our relationship because I feel like this little type of little meeting here has just evolved into something that I truly am grateful for. So thank you for uh, so much. And I guess that's it guys. I guess we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. And don't forget to tag me at motivate and be fit and follow or subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And please don't forget to leave a review on Apple podcasts. This allows the podcast to grow while helping more people figure their shit out. Chat to you next week.